Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to Countdown to Kickoff. I am your host, Anthony Denmark, Denmark Life and Country, a.k.a. Copenhagen, a.k.a. Denny. And this episode is brought to you by EatDrinkSleepSports.com. And since sports never stops, since sports never sleeps, that means we always have something to talk about. And since Mason's back, heck, I'm back, you're back, let's go ahead and discuss the latest happenings in the world of college sports. Let's get it. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls football fans of all ages. Welcome back to Countdown to Kickoff. It has been a while since I last had a show. So many things have changed. We have a new president. Black History Month has been renamed National African American History Month. And, of course, we do know that a champion has been crowned. No, it wasn't Alabama. It was Clemson. And the day after National Signing Day, another champion was crowned for the seventh consecutive year. Alabama Crimson Tide finished number one as the uh, top-ranked recruiting class in the country. So a lot of things have changed since the last time we've had a show. But you know what? I couldn't help myself. I don't know if I'm the only one out there, but I'm more than sure that a lot of college football fans are Going through some tough times. There was a time when we were able to fill our time, fill our spare time, fill the time at work, at school, our drives, with speculation and excitement about what was going to possibly happen in that game that was going to either be airing on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and in the case of bowl season, even on Sunday. But now, unfortunately, at least at this particular point, we have 204 days, 57 minutes, and 25 seconds until week loss season. But, of course, like the show says, since sports never stops and sports never sleep, especially in the case of college football, we always have something to talk about. Now, we have a lot of things on tap for today's show. Uh, We're going to, of course, talk about winners and losers of the college football signing period, but we're going to add a little spin to it because I've seen a lot of people make different comparisons in regards to how they view signing day. You know, for the sake of families, it gives them an opportunity for their children to get free education. They get an opportunity to get a step closer to possibly fulfilling their dreams of being able to buy their mom of the house and being able to get that generational money. Also, of course, it gives coaches an opportunity to try to get those extensions and also boosters an opportunity to boost out their chest, no point intended. And also, of course, it gives us fans an opportunity to think that maybe that may be that that 17-year-old, or in the case of junior college transfers, those 22- and 23-year-olds may be able to alone change the fortunes of the programs that we cover so passionately. 
However, we do know ultimately at the end of the day, there will only be one national champion. There will only be four teams contending for a playoff position. There will be only one champion in each conference or even one champion in each division. So you do that math alone, you realize that out of all the people that I named who, of course, are excited today, the reality is is that some people, most people, majority of people, will find themselves disappointed yet again, but still hoping and praying that year in and year out, that some 17-year-old, some 23-year-old will be able to change the fortunes of their program and also be able to change uh, the chances of these young men uh, to possibly have dreams of maybe playing in the NFL. And, you know, it's interesting. You know, one of the things at this particular moment, because I'm sure like a lot of college football fans, you're trying to find out what the hell to watch because there's no previews of games coming up throughout the week. And, of course, you know, we'll, we'll get into draft season because, you know, your boy Denmark does cover it all. And since college football is 24-7, 365, we're going to cover them from the time their high school recruits signed, signed and delivered to the time in which they become great stars to the time that they try to audition to finally get paid, even though in my own hindsight they should have finally at least get some type of payment in college. But, of course, that is a story for another day. But we cover it all. But, you know, today I found myself for some reason watching some movie called The Awkward Moment. And it made me think about these college programs. Yesterday, the day after National Signing Day, each college program in the entire country, 108, five 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 conferences, they took on the responsibility of caring for, looking after uh, 22, or in the case of some programs like Stanford, 14 to 11, new young men. And, of course, you know, initially you were wowed by the height, the size, the measurables of these young boys who at the age of 15 and 16-year-olds look like grown men. You were amazed by their speed. You were amazed by their grown man strength. You were amazed at their technique. You were amazed at what you thought that they could possibly bring to your program in an effort to try to change your fortune so you can get a raise and you can get a better job. But the day after signing day, you begin to realize the truth. You begin to realize the magnitude of the responsibility that you've actually taken on. You've realized that in exchange for the whole patience of being able to keep your damn job, that maybe, just maybe, I may have taken on a little bit more than I could chew. Now, you may say, Denmark, what are you talking about? Because in exchange for these guys and these blessed with these athletic abilities, you also, of course, find yourself taking on the problems that come along with it. And it made me focus specifically on the morning after. I'm sure if you're not in college, Friday night is around the corner. You get a chance to go out and have fun with your friends, your pal, you meet someone special. You hit it off. Taking or consume some drinks or possibly done a little bit more things that may have been illegal. And everything was great that night, that night of. But the night after, 
let it be either that you were lucky enough to be able to find yourself with a companion for that night, or maybe you find yourself having to nurse off that tremendous hangover from the night before. You find yourself in what I call the awkward moment, like the movie I was watching called The Awkward Moment, where now you're trying to figure out, now, what the hell am I going to do now? And no more that I see this more reminiscent, more relevant, more uh, clear an example as to what took place with this young man, 17 years old, by the name of, I believe, Darnay Robinson, four-star recruit, wide receiver down from Florida, had his pick of the litter of schools that he wanted to choose, Urban Meyer, Nick Saban, Jim McElwain, all wild came back by this guy's athletic abilities. His speed was amazing. He wowed and was able to do tremendous things during his time at the Under Armour All-American game or what he was able to do in regards to distinguish himself from his peers during the opening. Yet the morning after, you realize that this young man may have made some decisions and, of course, many of us may have possibly made during our time as young men. But the morning after, you realize that in in exchange for all this athletic ability that this young man has, you also have to deal with those other elements as well. Now, of course, Darnay Robinson, of course, ultimately found himself getting cited during the recruiting visit down at Ohio State uh, for marijuana. He did not get arrested. However, it found several coaches in very precarious situations knowing that they, in fact, are fighting for their jobs, knowing that, in fact, that they are always in competition, realizing that at the end of the day, despite the character, some young men, which may be questionable, you have to win. So who needs to win enough? Urban Meyer, of course, has won more than enough. I mean, when you really think about it, he has no peer. Maybe Nick Saban is a guy that you could say is his peer. Of course, we do know Dabo Sweeney now, the national champion. Chip, to add to his coaching trophy drawer, um, is close and a close third. But nevertheless, who needs to win? Urban Meyer, of course, did not need to win due to the embarrassment of riches to which he, of course, was able to get to come to Columbus. He did not need to win that bad, but Jim McElwain, yes, he, of course, has been able to surprise us in going to back-to-back SEC East, going to back-to-back SEC Championship, winning back-to-back SEC East Division Championship, but you know what? He needed to win, and because he needed to win, of course, he went ahead and gave this young man a chance. Now, of course, we do not, of course, indict a young man based off of a questionable decision that he made and got caught doing. Nevertheless, we do see that now this four-star, Under Armour All-American, this young man with talent could possibly dream of getting generational money. Now Jim McElwain finds himself with that awkward moment, seeing the talent, but now realizing the tremendous responsibility that now he's been placed with in regards to entrusting that this young man does not embarrass him, that this young man in Jim McElwain's pursuit of possibly trying to finally actually produce a productive offense is actually able to do so. 
Desperate times call for desperate measures. So, yes, the awkward moment happened down in Gainesville, but in spite of that awkward moment happening before National Signing Day, of course, Mr. Robinson signed with Florida. And, of course, it was not televised. However, he did it quite quietly. But you say to yourself, these awkward moments are things that find itself defining what National Signing Day really is about. Several awkward moments. Now, of course, we do wish Mr. Robinson does, in fact, learn from this mistake. We do know that several college recruits have made mistakes, but we're going to see what happens. Will he be the next Willie Williams, you know, the five-star recruit from that went to Miami, who, of course, found himself in a similar predicament with a fire extinguisher during his recruiting visit at Florida. His scholarship was taken away from him at Florida. He also ended up going to Miami, ultimately getting in trouble there, then ultimately having to go to Louisville, then getting in trouble there and having to go to nowhere land. Will that be Robinson's fate? We're going to find out. Or it's quite possible that he could find himself following it in the pathway of several other prominent athletes who've made those similar mistakes but have, in fact, learned from them, as in the case of Cam Newton, who stole a computer or didn't steal a computer or was implicated in stealing a computer, who found himself getting kicked out of Florida and then found himself at Butler Community College, then to Auburn, then to a Heisman, then to a national championship, then to a Super Bowl, then to an MVP. So it's very possible that Mr. Robinson can find himself going on that pathway as well. Do you guys see how I made a con, a conscious effort to tie that binds in regards to speaking specifically about Florida and their, and their involvement in those situations in regards to Cam Newton and also in regards to Willie Williams? So how this story ends up playing out, as I say in life, as I say in sports, ladies and gentlemen, we're definitely going to see what's happening, and of course, we're definitely going to see what's up. Now, one of the things that's funny when you look at these recruiting rankings, it's actually quite much of a joke, and I understand that myself being an avid college football fan, of course, I'm very much aware of the recruiting atmosphere. I'm very much aware of the top 100 players. I'm very much aware of where these guys are supposed to go. I'm very much aware of the expectations, the significant amount of pressure that's placed upon the young man's shoulders who at this particular point has just been able to figure out, has yet to figure out anything in his life. But that being said, it's still kind of comical when you find yourself looking at these rankings and you realize the tremendous amount of pressure that's placed on them. Down in Alabama, you got a guy who's 17 years old, a guy by the name of Leatherhead. The expectation is that this guy's going to come in and become a starter. Or, of course, you got down at Clemson, young man from the great state of Tennessee. Yes, I am from Tennessee. Uh, Higgins, who's expected to step in and become the next Mike Williams. Or, of course, you got your guy down there at Texas A&M, Mr. Mond, who, of course, initially was supposed to go to Auburn, then initially was supposed to go to Baylor, but then initially, finally, after transferring from IMG Academy, eventually decided to go to Texas A&M. You realize the tremendous amount of pressure that's on this young man. The expectations are that, of course, he has to be better than Trevor Knight, and, of course, we do know that Kevin Sumlin has to be able to finally get it right at the quarterback position 
which, of course, then puts even more pressure on the 17-year-old boy who, of course, had had trouble trying to pick a school. Now the weight of Kevin Sumlin's job security, the weight of winning in the SEC West is all on the shoulders of a 17-year-old quarterback who, I guess you could say, is bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. You say, will he be the next Johnny Manziel? Will you say, will he be the next quarterback to transfer from Texas A&M? The amount of pressure on these young men is massive. And almost to a degree, you say to yourself, it's downright ridiculous. However, I guess that's the nature of the beast. And, of course, these young men find themselves driven by the pursuit of the dream, the fantasy of possibly being able to play in the NFL and finally get paid. That dream, of course, is what drives them. That dream, of course, is what inspires them. And that dream, of course, is what gives all their families hope that maybe, just maybe, that dream may find itself coming true. But despite all that arduous, magnificent expectation placed on these 17-year-olds, it is still downright laughable when you look at these rankings. It's still downright laughable when you think about how these guys are already projected and they haven't even walked on campus yet. Yes, of course, they look the part. Yes, of course, they run the part. But, of course, we don't know if, in fact, they will be able to play the part. So it's funny, you know, when I went through the rankings, and, of course, you saw your usual suspects. You saw Alabama at number one, blah, blah, blah. You saw Ohio State at number two. You saw Georgia at number three. Now, of course, one of the things that's funny about Georgia is one thing we do know about Georgia, because I love Georgia, went to school to Georgia. I daydream about Georgia, black Hollywood Georgia. Go Falcons, by the way. But it's funny how expectations for different programs differ so much. We expect Alabama. We expect Ohio State to be in it. We have now expected that Jim Harbaugh is going to do something crazy to make sure that he's also going to be in the top five. We know that Jimbo Fisher, of course, is going to make himself reveal himself so personal that expose himself to the point and making himself so vulnerable that, of course, that, of course, makes parents feel comfortable in regards to leaving and entrusting their young boys in his care. But Georgia? It's funny because with Georgia, we do know that in the state of Georgia, they, of course, have an abundance of talents and, of course, may only rival, they only may be rivaled by what we see in Texas, what we see in Florida, what we see in California, what we see in Louisiana. But Georgia, now, of course, I'm, I've never been a big fan of Kirby Smart. I remember at the start of my podcast, at the, when we were doing our previews, I said, you know what, Perry Smart, there's only one Nick Saban, just like there's only one Bill Belichick, just like there's one, only one Urban Meyer. Kirby Smart may be a lot of things. Kirby Smart may be a great defensive mastermind. Kirby Smart may be a great recruiter. But, of course, I have questions about Georgia, and it seems as if although people thought that he was going to be Nick Saban because he – coached under Nick Saban for seven years, seems that people in Athens finally started to find themselves thinking the Denmark way. They find themselves not convinced. Of course, when they see the ranking, they see that Georgia is number three. They say, you know what, I'm not really convinced. 
I need to see a product. Now, of course, thus far, we know that Kirby Smart, he had his first year, and, of course, he definitely did get his fair share of bumps and bruises. We did see a fourth potential, and, and of course, we were definitely surprised, amazed, and shocked when uh, the two running backs decided to come back. But we all knew that Kirby Smart was a great recruiter. We knew he could recruit, but we still have questions about his coaching. And that's the thing that's kind of interesting about this whole National Signing Day fiasco. Because in some circumstances, we find ourselves, by looking at the recruiting rankings, by looking at seeing the players that they bring in, that we see that questions get answered. But in the case of Kirby Smart, in the case of Georgia, we still have a lot of questions. But, of course, we do know that in 204 days, 38 minutes, 50 seconds, Kirby Smart can get an opportunity in the second season to get a lot. Jason's going to be going into his second year. Cobb is going to be now a complete over a year removed from his brutal knee injuries. We do, of course, know – I'm sorry, Nick Chubb. I called him Cobb. He's not Cobb from Arkansas. Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle. But we still have questions, and he has 204 days to get some answers. Now, when I, of course, found myself looking at the rankings, I found myself, I couldn't help but laugh. I had to, of course, focus on LSU. I found myself laughing not because I heard the voice of Greg Ogeron, but because I thought about how the recruiting down in Louisiana thus far has been left, has been met with disappointing expectations. Now, of course, you may say Denmark, according to 24-7 sports, according to ESPN, according to rivals, they had a top-10 class. Think about it. When Orgeron was brought in, the expectation was that we're going to get, they're going to get, I say we because I lived in Louisiana, I paid taxes in Louisiana, so I feel a bit, since my taxes go to paying for Louisiana State, university football program that I'm a part of the program. Nevertheless, of course, we know that, of course, is a significant exaggeration. That being besides the point, when Orgeron took the job, we had this vision of Lane Kiffin being announced as the new offensive coordinator. We had this vision of Tua Tagovailoa. Yeah, I said the name. Yeah, yeah. Tua Tagovailoa shunning Alabama and following Lane Kiffin to LSU. We had this vision since Orgeron, the Cajun, was one of their guys, that he was going to be able to successfully build a fence around the state of Louisiana and to be able to ensure that the pillaging done by Nick Saban, I-10 Connection, was going to be finally put to a stop. We envision an abundance of playmakers finally being welcome, coming down to Baton Rouge, to finally be able to open up the playbook, open up the offense, to be able to help Darius Geis, be able to run rough shot like he did in the bowl game. But thus far, despite getting a coach at a great, great bargain, I mean, it has really been a disappointing offseason for LSU. Lane Kiffin went to FIU. 
They had to settle for Canada, the offensive coordinator from Pittsburgh, who, of course, did a magnificent job. But we, of course, know how it is in the world of life as it is in the world of sports. It's nothing like having your option, A. When you have to settle, you know, it kind of kills the buzz. It kind of kills the excitement and, you know, it really uh, makes it not look as as exciting. Then, of course, since Lane Kiffin didn't go, too, of course, went ahead and enrolled in Alabama. They, of course, were fortunate enough that two quarterbacks went ahead and recommitted. So I guess that's a consolation prize. And Narcisse and the young man from Mississippi. And, of course, unfortunately, which I think, unfortunately, the top ten, out of the top ten players in the state of Louisiana, most of them left. And, of course, we do know that LSU, of course, is a program that recruits itself. We do know, of course, that LSU is a program that, of course, is always going to get its fair share of four stars. But where was the beef? They weren't able to get Marvin Wilson, who, of course, went to Florida State. They weren't able to get a lot of the other young, talented, young, talented safety and defensive end, who, of course, decided to go. And to make matters worse, the day after recruiting day, the day after National Signing Day, they then dismissed their wide receiver coach in Craig. And you say to yourself, hey, maybe you just look at the balance. You look at the bill and you say, you know what? At least we didn't hire Tom Herman from Texas. At least we didn't overpay for Tom Herman, who's right now making excuses in regards to why his recruiting class is downright disappointing, downright god-awful, downright unacceptable. You may have said all the things that you you may not have liked Charlie Strong. The thing that you can count on with Charlie is Charlie was going to recruit. And Charlie may not have been a great starter when it came to recruiting, but he was definitely a fantastic finisher. I mean, when you look at the number of teams that were above the youth, the great state of Texas where football is always bigger in Texas, you see teams like Virginia Tech. You see teams like Nebraska. You see teams like Mississippi State who finished 5-7. and seven. You see teams like South Carolina, Maryland, Tennessee, who didn't have but one five-star player, all ranked above Texas. And you say to yourself, if I'm LSU, at least we didn't overpay for Tom Herman. I mean, if we had Tom Herman, our class would not have been in the top ten. While Texas is sitting here saying, well, you know, uh, having a little bit of buyer's remorse. And, of course, I can totally understand it. Of course, if, in fact, you are the one hand, handed the bill. You guys know how it is. When you go to a nice restaurant, you go ahead and order this nice little steak, you take a bite out of it, and you realize that, man, I'm not getting what I paid for. Even though you don't like it, you swap down the wine, which, of course, you also don't like because the steak is bad, and you say to yourself, I got to pay for this? I'm paying for this. And, of course, we can understand and almost accept why during Tom Herman's 
press conference discussing his recruiting class. He was a little bit defensive, saying, hey, you know, uh, we got guys that fit our program, and, uh, you know, uh, we only needed to, we wanted to find our guys because, uh, you know, we just didn't want to recruit anybody, you know, called for. You know, uh, we really, uh, the five-star players really wouldn't just fool us, dog. You know, we uh, talked to the homies down there in Houston, and, uh, you know, they felt like you did them dirty. And I ain't really trying to mess with nobody that's trying to do me dirty. And I think that's kind of what happened with Texas recruiting class, which is why Tom Herman was relegated to having to go to SMU, to go to Houston, in order to get players. Because the five stars wasn't trying to hear it. The five stars wanted to know that if, in fact, I commit to your school, I know that you're going to be there. And after all the rah-rah speeches, after all the grills down at H-Town in Houston, Texas players talk. And I'm more than sure that several of those five stars and four stars were teammates of some of those players down in Houston. And I'm more than sure that those players did not speak all too glowingly about Tom Herman and how he did, even though to a degree, I think we can all agree that when you leave a job and go to a better job, there's supposed to be a way that you do it, but regardless of how you do it, there's going to be hurt feelings along the way. Now, I do honestly, truly, consciously wonder if, in fact, he wasn't going to a program in the same state if, in fact, it was possible that he would have got a better reception. But, of course, you know, this is year one of the Tom Herman era, and although it may have been off to a slow start, we do know that he has been a proven winner during his time in Houston, during his time as an offensive coordinator for Ohio State. And we do know, of course, that, uh, like uh, my man Charlie Strong said, I mean, there's a lot of talent down in Austin. And if, in fact, he's able to win with the talent that Charlie Strong recruited, then I'm more than sure that in 2018 that things will be a lot better. Now, of course, we do know one of the things that's always interesting about these recruiting rankings is the ones where we find ourselves looking at the number and you just sit there and roll your eyes. You don't roll your eyes because it's wrong. You don't roll your eyes because you're disappointed. You roll your eyes because you know that in spite of the ranking that's been assigned to that particular program, you know that year in and year out that they're going to get their guys. And year in and year out, irregardless of the stars, irregardless if, in fact, they're a walk-on, that if, in fact, a player is specifically recruited to this particular program, thanks mostly to their proven track record of developing players, that they're going to be able to, you're going to find some stars, you're going to find some All-Americans, you may even find a couple future first-round picks. Now, of course, You'll find those at the five stars with Clemson, Ohio State, LSU, Alabama. You'll find them there in Florida. But also, you'll find them at Michigan State, which according to 24-7 has a 35th ranked class. Or you'll find them at Wisconsin. Well, according to 24-7 has the 40th ranked class. Or, of course, you know you'll find them at my school, my favorite school, the school that I love, Kansas State which, of course, traditionally finishes each year at the bottom of the Big 12. 
somehow, some way, some shape, some form, imaginable, they still find themselves bowl eligible, still find themselves producing NFL talent, still find themselves producing award winners and All-Americans. So that's one of the things that's always exciting when you find yourself looking at the rankings. You can talk about the obvious, but I like talking about the things that people find themselves oftentimes not being considered headliners now, but may find themselves being impossible to ignore later. So I'm looking to see what Kansas State does this year with their recruits. I'm looking to see what Wisconsin does with its recruits. Again, congratulations to Leonard. Leonard, of course, Jim Leonard, former defensive back for the New York Jets, found himself becoming the defensive back coach at Wisconsin, recently just announced as now the defensive coordinator at Wisconsin. And one job that you want to always have, it seems, the hottest job to have is being the defensive coordinator at Wisconsin. Because if you're a defensive coordinator at Wisconsin, the chances are that you're possibly going to find yourself being named a head coach in the next two to three years. Or if, fact, if in fact, you choose to remain as a defensive coordinator, you'll find yourself getting a dollar pass paid. Of course, that's what took place with the now defensive coordinator at LSU, who was the second to third highest-paid defensive coordinator in the country, getting paid, I believe, $1.7 million. Or, of course, in the case of Wilcox, who was recently announced to be the head coach of California, yes, he got ran off at USC. He was able to come to Wisconsin, win with someone else's players, and get a head coaching job. So, Jim Leonard, defensive back coach, one day, defensive coordinator, a year later, find ourselves calling Jim Leonard head coach next year. Again, as I say in life, as I say in sports, we're definitely going to see what's happening. And, of course, of course, we're definitely going to see what's up. Now, this year in National Recruiting Day, National Signing Day, It was a little bit different. There was no Landon Collins' mother telling him not to go to Alabama. Malik Medow's mother was not present, who refused to sign his national letter of intent. There was no sightings or incidences of Alex Collins' mother, who literally left the stage when he announced to Arkansas and refused to sign the letter. There was no instances that took place like that this year. There was no instances of an offensive lineman to sign a letter of intent with the university that, in fact, actually never offered him a scholarship, of course, as took place with California a few years back. The biggest story was the fact that an Under Armour All-American who had options upon options upon options decided to actually take a gray shirt because he wanted to go to Alabama that bad. And one of the things that's often interesting about stories like this, and it was very heartbreaking seeing Mr. Parks cry when he had to make an announcement that he wasn't going to make an announcement because ultimately it was because he waited too long. I guess he wanted to sign on national. These young men, of course, work tirelessly, and everybody wants an opportunity to sit at a table on national televised TV with the caps and be able to make their announcement to the world. Unfortunately, Mr. Parks waited just a little too long. And when he decided to finally make his announcement, there was no spot available for him with Alabama. But 
either side of the gray shirt. And for those who are unfamiliar, what that means is he signs with Alabama, but he won't count towards Alabama's recruiting class until 2018. But it's interesting, very interesting how this story is being perceived compared to another story quite similar that took place down in stores, Connecticut. Maybe it was because of the championships. Maybe it was because people just don't like this guy. But three weeks before signing day, Randy Eskel down at UConn, yes, the guy that was fired, the guy that left UConn to go to Maryland, that was fired by UConn, was fired by Maryland, that's now back at UConn, he pulled a scholarship from a young man too. And after he pulled that scholarship by phone, he was crucified. But I guess, you know, uh, you win a couple of championships, bring a couple of Heisman, have your fair share of All-Americans and trophies, upon trophies, upon trophies, upon trophies, and rings on rings on rings. I guess you just don't really get crucified for doing something that's very similar to what Randy Essel did. But I guess the difference is, although... Unlike Randy Eskel, Nick Saban says you can come to the school, but we may not be able to get you a scholarship until later. Now, the other big story that happened on National Signing Day was a player by the name of Jameer Calvin. Now, Jameer Calvin was a a U.S. Army All-American, and right when he committed, I immediately tweeted, this guy seeks committing. His mom was too happy, and he just was not smiling. As Jameer Calvin initially at the U.S. Army All-American game, he made a commitment to Oregon State. Everybody was shocked, surprised, amazed, and did not understand where Oregon State came from. Go, thieves. But he then waited some time. And in the same month, he decommitted from Oregon State. Then he committed to Nebraska. And then 48 hours after committing to Nebraska, he then committed to Washington State. And, you know, I'm almost happy that signing day is over because that means that this young man won't commit to another school. And I'm more than sure that fans down there in Poland, Washington, were a bit antsy until they got his actually signed letter of intent. Now, he signed the letter, so he can't go back on his word, even though I'm more than sure that if he had a chance to, he may find himself going back on his word. But nevertheless, that's what was exciting. Those were the biggest stories on National Signing Day. So like I said to you guys before, now we have 204 days, 20 minutes, 3 seconds, to the first week of college football. I have missed doing this podcast, but I'm applying. I apply for the bar. I'm going to be studying for the bar and working at the same time. But this show is my passion. This show, of course, gives me an opportunity to share my passion towards sports, my insights, my thoughts, my expertise in regards to what I expect to happen in the college football season as I bring the show to a close. I'm excited. Yeah, we know the Super Bowl's coming up, but uh, let's be real. 
We're waiting for college football season. And if, in fact, you're listening to this show, I'm here to help scratch, give you the scratch your football itch. Did I say that right? I'm the football itch that you can scratch. I'm here to be the football itch, to be the scratch, the nail to your itch, whatever. I'm happy to talk sports, and I'm more than sure that you're happy to listen to sports because right now the NBA is whack. Right now, I mean, after 48 hours, there's no going to be no more talk about the NFL. But unlike the NFL, unlike the NBA, unlike March Madness, which at this particular point seems to just be a consolation prize, we do know that the passion of college football is something that reigns true for 365 days, 24 Seven, and I make it my duty, my calling, my responsibility to cover. So, I thank you guys for listening, and I am looking forward to talking to you guys. Thanks for tuning in to Countdown to Kickoff. Our show airs live every Tuesday and Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If in fact you missed the show, make sure you subscribe to the podcast by typing in Count. And the number two and down, one word. While you're at it, make sure you also follow the latest happenings in the world of sport with us at Eat, Drink, Sleep, Sports, and the number two. And you know what? If you've gone that far, be sure and check out our website for the latest happenings as well at EatDrinkSleepSports.com. Until next time, college sports football fans, stay tuned. I know I will. Peace.